Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com earnings right now. NetSuite.com earnings. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Well, it's that time of year where the U.S. Open takes over New York City. We love it. It's the quintessential New York sporting event. It's also, of course, a Grand Slam. And no one better to dig into the business of tennis than Patrick Mortoglu. He is the coach, the coach with a capital C in many ways, but also a business builder and has built a tremendous business, not just around coaching, but around the future of tennis. So it's really good to have you here. Thank you very much. Um, love doing stuff in person. It feels like the, the world is changing a little bit. All right, it's a very different US Open, so let's start there. Um, we're taping this the, the morning after a massive storm. You were there until two in the morning. Um, but setting that aside, what has this Open felt like? It feels great because the crowd is back and I, we knew that Sports with a crowd is completely a different feel, but we, I think, forgot a little bit how great it was. And, uh, and the fact that we're in New York with uh, a very special crowd, and I don't say that because I'm in New York, I don't do this kind of stuff. Uh, I think the crowd in New York is special. Yeah. The, this center court is unique. It's the, first, it's the biggest in the world, 23,000 seats. And second, there is a, an atmosphere that you have nowhere else in the world. And I always say that the night session in, in New York, you have to do it once in your life. It's really special. So with the crowd, we have such a great feel. Everybody's so happy. You can feel people in the crowd are so happy to be able to also attend an event yeah. like that. And, uh, and the players, for them, it's a rebirth, kind of, really. Why is it different in New York? You've seen it. I mean, you've literally seen it all. You've seen every major. You've seen every minor, for, for that sure. matter. Um, what is it? I always say that Americans know how to do a show with sports better than anyone else. Uh, there are far, four Grand Slams. One is, is in France, one is in England. So Europe, for them, it's the sport, and they don't think as the sport as an event, as a business, as a, as a show. I mean, a business, yes, but not a show. Uh, the only other one that is great is, to me, is Australian Open. Interesting. Because they're real sports and tennis fans, and... Uh, there is this kind of uh, soccer feel, like they come painted, and I mean, there is something magic there. But the U.S. Open, again, it's a show. Yeah. It's a show. And it's funny because sometimes, I mean, I, I don't get my tickets because I have a badge, but when I go to the basketball, they tell you when you give your ticket at the entrance, welcome to the show, which is, for a French guy, the show. Welcome <laughs> to the sports. What yeah. do you mean the show? Right. Yeah, it's a show, and that's great. I think... I think this is the future of the sport, to make it a show. Right. It has to be a show. It stays sport, but you need sport 
and entertainment, and New York has that. All right, we're going to get into that because you've got a big idea that you've been working on around that in just a minute. But just staying with New York, it, it also feels to me, having been many times, that you know, from the top of Ash to the bottom, you sort of get all these layers of New York too, right? I mean, you get every um, almost nuance of, of the city's complexities in, in many ways, and it gives it a certain rowdy feel, but also a sophisticated feel, sort of depending on where you are um, in the arena. Totally true, uh, and everything is well thought also. You have all the, this booth where you, can, you have an indoor part so people can eat, but at the same time watch. Uh, it has been thought the right way business-wise, and as you said, everybody is represented in the stadium, yeah. and that's, that's really a cool thing, I think. Yeah, and, and also, um, you know, Americans, I feel, consume sports differently than Europeans. It's also a place to be with friends, discuss, uh, stay, yeah. uh, where, whereas in, in Europe, when you go to the, to the sport, it's just to watch. Right. <laughs> I mean, you eat because you're hungry, but it's not a place to eat with friends, discuss, right. and stuff like that. And you have this sound on the center court of New York, this permanent sound yes. that you have nowhere else in the world, because everywhere else in the world, when tennis starts, when they start to play, everybody shuts up. Right. Not right. here. Yeah. That's cool. Different. Totally. I remember going to my first football match in Europe years ago, and, you know, in America, as you know, at any time during the game, you're getting a hot dog, you're getting a beer, you're doing whatever. But that notion of like, you sit down, 45 minutes, you get up, you come back, you sit down for 45 minutes, and then you're gone. It is a very different approach. I could talk to you all day about the quality uh, of the tennis, uh, and maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But I do want to ask you about, as you approach this, and as the players that you work with approach this, from a business perspective, obviously this has been an incredibly difficult 18 months for the business of tennis. No fans in, in Flushing last year. As you say, the fans are back. How do you look at the state of tennis from a business perspective? You're totally right. It was, I think for a lot of businesses, it was a very tough uh, year and a half. Uh, I hope we're finally going back to something that looks like normal. Otherwise, uh, for many businesses, it's gonna become Terrible, like we see, we'll see a lot of bankrupts. Uh, for tennis, it's been tough, as you said, because there is there are no fans. So I mean, all the events lost the ticketing uh, because the TV channels and as, I mean, I can talk about the sports TV channels. Uh, they are struggling also because there is much less advertising, so they get less income, so they have less money to pay the events to broadcast. So the TV rights went much lower. Same for the sponsorship. So a lot of events started to lose a lot of money. The, the main uh, governing bodies like the ATP and the WTA are helping as much as possible those events. First, the prize money has went a lot down. Yeah. So for the players, it was tough too, because of course, when you're top 10 in the world, it's not a big deal. You still have a lot of money on the side, but when you are 100 in the world and you're already almost struggling, Suddenly, with the, the low price money, you're basically losing money every single week. And yeah. we've went through crazy situations where someone who wins an ATP 250, because he came with his wife and his coach, he ended up losing money and he won the tournament. So imagine the guys who lose in the first or second round. So that's why, so the price money went down. Um, the ATP and the WT, as much as possible, they tried to, to help financially the tournaments, giving them more money, but then they're struggling. Right. So uh, they had to go through uh, 
I mean, reinvent, try to reinvent the business, but in a way, there is, they didn't really find a way to reinvent it. Uh, so what they did, uh, they found ways to survive and they wait for better days. But right. it's been a really rough year. And so what needs to change in, in your estimation? Uh, well, that's a, that's a big question to answer. Um, I think to, to answer that question, I have to go through the, the demographics. Yeah. And that's what I, I always go through because, as you said, tennis is my business, but tennis is also my passion since I'm four years old. And uh, most of my businesses are around tennis. I have other businesses in other sports, but that's most of my business and that's my passion. And I found out that the demographics are not great because uh, a lot of studies have showed that the average age of the tennis fan is 61 years old. I'm not talking about the guys who are going in the stadiums or playing tennis. I'm talking about the people who are following tennis all year long and watching tennis on TV or on digital. So for sports, uh, for sports 61 years old is old uh, for uh, average for a fan base. And what is even more worrying is that every year, this average age get, gets one year older. Right. More or less. And that just shows that the fan base of tennis is an old fan base that fell in love with tennis, like me, by the way, in the 70s or the 80s. And when you fell in love with tennis, it's for life. So those guys are very, very loyal to tennis. They're still here. They still love tennis. But tennis doesn't renew its fan base. And, uh, and especially doesn't get young people on board. So that's why we are in this situation. And when I look at it like that, that way, I feel like, but it's a death announced, in a way. Because when your fan base gets one year older every year, what's going to happen? Right. It's quite clear. So, I mean, talking to the governing bodies, I found out that um, something that I knew, but it's not a surprise, but it confirmed that uh, the fan base is very, very classic, very traditional, very conservative, and that it's very difficult to make changes. Which is fine. I don't want to change tennis. I love tennis personally the way it is. Um, on the other hand, um, so I thought, what's the, situ what's, what's the solution? Yeah. Is there a solution? Shall we change tennis or not? I don't think so. I think uh, we have to find a way to bring young fans on board. It's not by changing tennis. And I thought, why, not we, why don't we, we imagine a new tennis, a different tennis, a different league that will, would live next to the classic tennis league and that would have that function to go and get new fans on board. And that's totally the idea. But in order and to this do this is the UTS. This is the UTS. But in order to do that, I had to understand why do young people don't watch tennis. And I also realized that there has been a huge change those last 20 years in the way people consume right. those type of contents. The, the digital in general has completely changed everything. And if you look at all the, first of all, the offer is huge. You have uh, you have the social media, the streaming platform, the video games, the eSport, and a huge amount of different sports. And if you look at all the formats that really work, they have a few characteristics. First, they're short. Tennis is extremely long. We never know how long it lasts. Actually, two days ago, I was at Stefano's match against Murray, and the match lasted five hours. Right. So they're short. They're very dynamic. Tennis is slow. They're very immersive. And they're authentic. And if you look at it, so tennis is long, it's slow, because the time when the, the, the amount of time when the ball is in play is, represents only 15% of the right. time of a tennis match. So the rest of the time is people walking, doing their, their routines. So it's slow. It's very slow. 
Uh, it's not immersive, it's not very authentic because very, very conservative, so everybody pretends to be a very nice guy. You know, it's not real, it's not real. Like yeah. in other sports, they don't pretend. They're themselves, you like, you like them, you don't like them. But So the, tennis lacks all the ingredients that would seduce the young generation. Right. So I created UTS, which means Ultimate Tennis Showdown, with the goal to propose a format next to the ATP and the WTA that would fit and that young people would love and follow. Yeah. And so what, what's interesting about it, because I've read up on, on, on what you've been doing with, with the UTS, and it's interesting to think about the history. I think you and I are roughly the, the same age. And like I came along when there were some big personalities. True. John McEnroe, you know, and, you know, is the one that sticks in everybody's mind, especially, you know, honoring him since we are here in New York. Um, so it wasn't always the case that it became, and I'm quoting you back to you here, somewhat robotic. I, th I believe that that's a term that, that you have used. So how do you, so let's take that piece of it. How do you sort of enable, empower tennis athletes in the way that basketball players have been empowered, football players, both, both kinds, both in Europe and, and here in America, sure. have been empowered. How do you give that to, to tennis players? Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I'm on tour all year long, and I'm in contact with the fans. And what I hear, what I hear every single day of my life when I talk to the fans is, tennis was better before. Yeah. And I ask them why. And they always answer the same thing. We had better personalities before. And I always answer them, you're not right. We have great personalities. But you are right in a way because they don't really show themselves. They don't show their personalities. Like, you may see it, but I don't, is really what it comes to. As a fan, I don't yeah. see it. As a coach, you do. <laughs> you see more personalities than you want, probably. <laughs> yeah, no, no. But, I mean, of course, they're strong personalities, yeah. all of them. Like, they, they're really real competitors. Yeah. They're tough. They look nice because that's the image they want to give to people. Uh, but before, they were not caring about their image. They were just being themselves. The McEnroe's, the Connors, yeah. the Gerulitis, to name three Americans that had totally different personalities and great, great guys, very fun, very, uh, you either loved them or hated them, but you were feeling something. And even into Agassi and Sampras yeah. and, 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 you know, I, I don't know who the last great that we saw in America was, that's a whole different topic. But so anyway, so get back to, to tell me, how do you engender this? How do you convince them that this is good for their business, basically? First, a lot of discussions. Um, they can't do it on the classic tour because right. the rules are extremely tough. Uh, if they do something wrong, they get fined. Uh, but more than being fined, they are pointed out as bad people. Right. Like it's like in the, I mean, I remember at school, I don't know if you were a bad guy at school or not. I was not the best. So I remember the teachers pointing at you, you did something right. bad, you're bad in front of all the classroom. It's the same thing, but in front of millions of people. So nobody wants that. So they kind of stay like that. And actually they complain, not only to me, but they did complain to me about this, the fact that they were not able also to be themselves. So I don't, I mean, I don't have to convince them. I just tell them, listen, you have, I give you a place where you can be yourself. You can show your brand, you can show who you are and you're free. Yeah. So feel free to be yourself. I don't ask you to do anything special, just be yourself. So. Just to come back to this format, we revisited tennis, and the idea was to say, if we had to create tennis today, knowing what we know about the way people consume that type of content, how would we do it? So we decided to do a 45 minutes match, so the time decides when it's the end, it's four quarters of eight minutes, uh, much less time between the points, coaching 
between every point. The players have cards that give them advantages. They can have extra serve and or whatever. They can use two cards per per quarter. There is only one serve. We don't want to see aces and serve winners all the time. We want to see rallies. It's more fun. Um, there is an interview at every changeover. So it's completely revisited. The players are free to be themselves. They can even talk to the opponent during the match uh, and say whatever they want. So we want. We think we're going to win this battle if we have two ingredients. The first one is entertainment. It has to be really entertaining, fun, exciting, a lot of suspense to watch, and very serious at the same time. Like players have to really fight as hell because that's what that's also why we we love sport. Right. So this is the two ingredients that we brought in. We started last year, first event last year. Uh, from the first event, we had top players. We, had, we were broadcasted in more than 100 countries in the world, reached 20 million households. Uh, we had, you know, Dominic teams, Zverev, Berrettini, Tsitsipas, uh, Medvedev. Right. Most of the top 10s played. It was fun. They loved it. They said they want to play again. Again, we were in everywhere in the world. Uh, so I think it was the proof of concept was made. Uh, we all already have 1.3 million fans on Facebook after just four events. So it's great. Uh, we also realized that uh, half of our fans are non-tennis fans, which is the goal. Bring new guys on board. Yeah. The average age of our fans is 40 compared to 61 for tennis. Uh, so, I mean, I think we, we get the format. We get it. I think we can improve it for sure, and we will. But the proof of concept is made, and now we're ready. We're actually into a capital raise. We want to raise 50 million euros to go to the next uh, level and go full with a full year, with a full calendar, 10 events, 10 players, 10 cities. And if I have five more minutes to, to explain that. Of course, you've got all the time you want. <laughs> this is the idea. 90% of the fans do not know 90% of the players. How interested is it to watch guys you don't know? Yeah. So what we decided is to do a tour with only 10 players. We're going to choose the 10 most marketable fun, exciting, and good players at the same time to compete all year long and to become, one guy is going to become world champion at UTS at the end of the year. So exactly like Formula One, you know all the drivers. In tennis, you don't know 90% of them. You know only the 10, 10 guys yeah. that are the best ones and, and or the most exciting ones. Like Kyrgios is 40 in the world, but everybody knows him because totally. it's fun. He embodies in many ways what came before and has not been present, right? 100%. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So 10 players, 10 events, because we don't want to have three or six events every week like other leagues because we think an event has to be something extremely important mm -hmm. and exciting. Same Formula 1. You don't have three events every week in, in Formula 1. Uh, so every event has to be something, like something you look forward to watching. You know, you know, all the 10 players are going to start the year with zero points and it's going to be a race all year long to become world champion at the end of the year. And after every event, the ranking will change. So you're going to wait for that event to see what's going to happen, who's going to win and who's going to be number one right. at the race. And 10 cities, because the idea is to have cities compete to host our events. And the beauty of UTS, one of the beauties of UTS, is that because we have only 10 players, we just need one court and one practice court. Right. That means that we can build a stadium just for the event anywhere. And we go to the cities and we say, okay, tell me which is the most, what is the most iconic place of your city that you want to highlight all around the world. 
I'm in Cairo, I would say the pyramids. Right. Okay. We're going to create a stadium in the desert with three sides, and the fourth side is going to be the pyramids. And the 10 most exciting players in the world are going to compete in front of the pyramids, and it's going to be shown all around the world. How exciting is it for a, for a city? So that's the plan going forward. And, uh, and the other thing I would like to add is that our business model is classic with, of course, ticketing, sponsorship, uh, TV, TV rights. But we also have created our own OTT platform from day one. Right. We have already 150,000 uh, subscribers. And the goal is to have also this huge um, tool right. to also monetize the whole, uh, the whole business. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. All right, so when you talk to people in quote-unquote traditional tennis about this, do they say, oh, that's adorable, you know, like go off and, and do your little thing? Or do they say, mm, I'm not so sure about this. Maybe I'm a little threatened. Like, what's been the reaction? So um, I think the world of tennis, the business world of tennis, the governing bodies, they understand why we do that. They know the situation that I just explained, the aging of the yeah. fans. Uh, they know something has to be done. It's very difficult for them to do it, again, because their fan base is very traditional. They wouldn't like big changes in, in our sport, and it's totally fine, and let's keep tennis the way it is. So they think, I explained to them that it grows, the, it grows the pie, you know, for the whole tennis industry. If we bring new fans, other fans, younger fans, it just grows the whole pie. The players are going to make more money, and the whole industry is going to make more money. So it's, it's a win-win for everyone. Right. And it's, the goal is not to threaten anyone. And we have 10 events also to fit into the ATP calendar and for those two leagues to be able to live next, next to each other. I mean, in any industry, it's great to have something traditional. In a way, it reminds me of Sampras Agassi. You had Sampras, the traditional, yes. with the traditional clothes, and Agassi that was able to bring young fans on board. It's kind of the same thing. We have the traditional tour and the, the tour that is more modern for the, for the younger people. The guy who brought, you know, what was it, acid watch jeans to uh, jean shorts. I'll never, never forget yeah. those and that, and that hair. All right, so let's, let's shift, if we can, to the business uh, of the Academy, because for anyone who's seen pictures, you have an amazing setup there in the south of France, um, just outside of Nice, I, I believe. Yep. Tell me about the process of, of building that. It's the biggest of its kind, I believe, in, in Europe. Is, is that what you said? Yeah, it is. Um, so tell me about that, because that's a big bet in its own right to, to essentially sort of, if you build it, they will come, to, to steal another sports metaphor. Yeah, if, if, I, if I can, I just would like to go a bit back in time sure. and, and just explain something about myself, and because it explains why I did that. I was a, a crazy tennis fan and a, and a good player when I was young. I was one of the best in my country. My dream was to become a tennis player, and I've never thought about something else. And when I was 15 or 16 years old, my parents said, end of the story. Not that I had to stop tennis, but they would not... Uh, you weren't going to be a pro player. They didn't want me to be a pro player yeah. because they thought it was much too risky. Yeah. So the dream of my life disappeared. And After, you went to work for your dad. 
I did work for, my, for, my, for the company of my dad, absolutely, to learn something because my life was all about tennis, so I learned business. And, uh, and I, at 26, he proposed me to become his, his business partner because he said, you're ready now, we can, we can do some business together. His company was already big, so my life was kind of, would have been kind of easy. And I said to him, listen, I'm lucky enough to have a passion. Like most of the people don't have a passion in right. life, so it's, it's, I'm lucky. And second, my story with tennis is not finished. You know, for me, it stopped too early. I never had the chance to achieve what I wanted to achieve. And I realized throughout this experience that the support is one of the most important things in life. Like, I didn't feel supported by you. Uh, I mean, it's not to blame you. It was, I mean, and I, and I took the blame because I should have convinced you guys to follow me and I, I was not able to do that. So it's my fault, but still. I want to support kids when they have a passion, and I want to help people achieve their dreams in tennis, which is something that, I that was my dream and I couldn't achieve it. So right. I want to do that. I don't know how I'm going to do that, but I want to do that. And I started at 26 years old, my tennis academy, it's a big, big word for that time, <laughs> by renting two courts in a club uh, a few hours per day. Uh, and I started like that, and uh, and then we grew, we grew, and uh, at a certain point, it became uh, today's the biggest academy in Europe. Uh, we, in terms of of size, in terms of of number of players, in terms of everything. But what I'm also very proud of is the results. Like every year, we produce incredible players. We have world champions in juniors. We win Grand Slams in juniors. Then we bring them to the top of the game. If you look at Coco Gauff, she's coming from my tennis academy. Uh, I discovered her when she was 10 years old. Uh, Tsitsipas is coming from uh, also uh, was, was trained since a young age at my right. tennis academy. Olga Rune, who played against Novak the yes. other day at 18, same. Took they a set all, from him. Yeah, he did great. I'm proud of him. So they're all kind of the product of my tennis academy. So this is what the mo I'm the most proud of. And as you said, it starts to be a, an important business because it's, it's a big resort now. Right. With a hotel, with four swimming pools, 34 courts. Uh, we have a, literally a school inside, a French school and an American school. We send players to the U.S. We have 200 students full-time, 4,000 people who come every year for a, for a camp. So, and we have also apartments. So it's, it's, I mean, it's not a huge business, but it's, but it's a nice business that works well in a, a sector of activity that is very difficult, because yeah. it's very difficult. Right. And so what was the thing that you identified that would make it, not to just name check all your competitors, but that makes it different from IMG, that makes it different from Bulletary? Like, what's the, what's the thing you bring or your team brings to it? I think the, the philosophy is different. Uh, I mean, I, I really uh, like Nick Bolletier, which is an incredible person. I, I really like him. He has his philosophy, I have mine. Uh, and from day one, it was a world where, in which there was all the academies were having a system in which the players had to fit in. And when I started in 1996, I was already, already saying, I respect the players too much to do that. I want every player, ideally, that's what we aim at, to be able to fulfill his potential. Yeah. And if you want to help people fulfilling their potential, you have to understand the needs and answer the needs. They, you cannot ask them to fit into a system. So my philosophy is to get to know the player, and that's how, so I, has, how I coach. I start with a white page, and I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn my player. I don't know my player. I want to know who he is, where he comes from, what's his philosophy, I mean, what's his relationship with tennis, 
of course, his strengths, his weaknesses, and his environment, I want to have the full picture. Once I have the full picture, then I can create a system for him. And I think there is an ideal method for each player. And that's exactly what we are doing at Muratoglu Academy. Rather than telling the players, go fit in my system, and if, you, if it doesn't work, bad luck for you. Right. We, I mean, ideally, but that's the ideal we aim at all the time, we work on creating a system that is the ideal one for each player. And so, as we start to wrap up a, a little bit here, although I could talk to you all day about this stuff, as we think about this next generation, a post-Big Three world, I know Serena's not done, but a post-Serena world, how do, how do you imagine it? You obviously have a window into the proverbial, to use the business term, pipeline of players, um, of players and personalities and all these different things. Obviously, you're voting with your feet in terms of UTS and also in, in picking your players. But how much do you worry about the business of tennis, the economics of tennis, being able to sort of match this, what I think we will look back on as a very special era? So... Uh... It's funny because most of the people think after those guys are going to be gone, tennis is going to be in such a trouble. Yeah. I don't think so at all. I think we are lucky as tennis fans to have been able to witness probably the greatest era in the history of tennis. On the men's side, the three greatest players of all times are playing at the same time. Right. Unbelievable. When Sampras won 14 Grand Slams, all the tennis people were saying, Nobody will That's ever it. beat this record. It's impossible. Next generation, three guys beat it. Yeah. And not beat it, destroy it. Yeah. We're at 20 and it's not finished. So we're lucky. That's great. That's incredible. But there is not much suspense. Right. There is not much personality. I mean, they're great. They're smart. They're, they're great. But they're very clean. Yeah. They're very clean. They're very perfect. So I think... What people love also is, and that's what makes a sport really lively, it's controversy, different personalities, people who don't like each other. This is also very emotional, and people like to talk about that. Fans love it. You know, that's why we love basketball, yeah. American football, soccer. It's crazy. You know, right. you go to every cafe in the morning in France. Oh, what happened yesterday? This guy is an asshole. You know, that's, that's what people like. Yeah. And you don't have that in tennis because it's very clean also because it's very traditional. But I think in the young generation, first of all, there's going to be a lot of suspense. I used to say, because I'm asked before Rangaros what I think, who's going to win this year, and I say every year, the only thing you don't know when Rangaros starts is who Rafa is going to beat in the final. Right. So to, just to say how much suspense there right, is. Right. Actually, that was not true for this year, but he's getting old also. For, for a long time, that was the case. Oh, 10 years. Yeah. Um, so more suspense. Who's going to be the next number one? Nobody can say. There are a lot of, I mean, there are several guys that play great. They're all very different. They all have fun games, different games, great personalities. They're, they're not, I mean, they're open to be themselves. Zverev, Medvedev, Tsitsipas, just to name three. Yeah. A lot of other guys are good and good personalities. Huh? But there are the three that are closest to number one. Uh, and there is suspense and there is great personality. And there is also right. this between them, you know, and, yeah. con and controversy. So I think for our sport, it makes it lively. Yeah. So I think it's great. Uh, I know a lot of traditional people, uh, tennis fans, don't like that. They want everything perfect, everything clean. I don't like it because I think it's not life. Yeah. Life is not like that. It's messy. Life is like, like, you have different personalities. I think 
and that's why it's interesting. Yeah. People are different. Uh, not what about watching a movie where, in which everybody's perfect, everybody's clean, nobody does nothing wrong? Right. There is no, there is no story. Right. You know, that's what tennis offers. I like what's happening with Tsitsipas at the moment. Right. Uh, the the story about the it's controversial, but it makes it fun. You know, you love or you hate. You are, but you feel something. People love sport because it makes them feel something. So I think it's going to be great for tennis. Well, you and I were talking before we came on air about our, our mutual, one of our mutual favorite shows, Call My Agent, right? In the sense of like, you've got all these personalities, you mix them up, you start to root for somebody here, and you're invested. And it feels like people just need to be invested. And they have been in, in, in the big three. What about on the women's side? Oh, I don't know. So Good on- young crop. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, I mean, we have we have also uh, great players and great personalities. We have Naomi, we have Coco Goff, who yeah. I think is going to be great for the game. So, of course, after having Serena and Venus, and we had Sharapova also, who was big, you think, wow, it's going to be difficult. Because people don't envision what can come next, yes. you know? And you, we also have to give time to people and personalities to grow. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, and I think, I mean, business-wise, Naomi is huge. Huge. Yeah. Naomi Osaka. Glo- global superstar, right? Global superstar. Yeah. And different, you know? You, you, you might like her or dislike her, but she's very different in the way she communicates. Yeah. Um, she brought the mental health problem. It's something that has never happened before. So something happens. And again, that's what we want. And Coco is such an incredible personality. And around them, there are... Different people, different. Yeah. So I'm not worrying. Yeah. On the men's side and on the women's side, I'm not worrying at all. All right. So, so look into the future, if, if you will, for, for the business of, of Patrick. Like, how do, you, how do you sort of line everything up? I mean, no day, I would imagine, is like any other in terms of all the different um, pieces you have going at any time. But what's sort of your North Star? You know, as you think about your business, like what is it that says, I'm going to do this and I'm not going to do that? What's the, what's the test? So first I have my tennis academy, which is my original business. Yeah. <clears throat> that is number one in Europe. I think we can still grow, but we're almost, we are at maximum capacity already. Uh, so I will think what's next. Do I want to open other ones? Uh, I decided to to open what we call tennis centers. So I opened one in Dubai. I opened one in Greece in the, the nicest resort of Europe in Greece. It's unbelievable. Uh, and the idea is to provide tennis experiences to people because that's my job. Yeah. I want people when they're in a tennis court to live a special experience, make progresses because that's what they want, but also spend an incredible moment, a special moment. And I thought, why don't we offer that to people who are on holidays in a very nice resort and would like during their holidays to also have a tennis experience. So that's what we've done. So Dubai and Greece for the moment, but we might open others in the future. Now I think about coaching also because that's my job. My job is coaching tennis. And I'm thinking, well, you know, I have one tennis academy. Okay, it's big, but the world is so much bigger than that. There is one billion tennis fans uh, on the planet, and most of them will never, ever have enough money to come for a week camp at Muratoglu Academy. And still, I would like to do something for those guys. And I thought we are in the era of the digital. There is something great to do, I'm sure about yeah. it. And we ended up uh, being able to, to create a technology that allows us, thanks to the phone and just the, the camera, to be able to have all the data about the people when they play tennis. 
So you are using your camera, you plug it, we have a little device, you plug it, and while you play, you get filmed by yourself, you upload the video, and we have all your data, and then we can coach you being where we are and you being anywhere in the world for an amount that is not even right. close to what you would pay right. if you come to the Tennis Academy. So Taking that's, a paid from Peloton, maybe, a, a yes, little bit, right? Yes. And just the digitization of, of fitness overall. Exactly. So we are developing that. The, the project should be out next year. That's, for me, a, a big project. The idea is to be able to, again, propose coaching to anyone. And those people would have their coach in their hand 24-7. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelie Whenever they go on the court, they have the coach. They play a match. You know, whoever, you're 40 years old, you love tennis, you play competition for fun, you can have a match, professional match debriefing after the match. It's incredible. So that's also something that I put a lot of, of uh, focus on and UTS because I think it's the, the, the future of right. tennis. Now I have a lot of people who come to me and propose some, uh, some projects. I look at all of them. Might be things that are interesting. Uh, I'm open to anything, you know. I think... Uh, uh, tennis is just starting. There yeah. is so much to do in tennis because it's an old format, so it has never really developed the way it can. And I think we're in a, we're in a special moment with the digital when all the doors are open to do, to do fun things. Patrick, this was so much fun. I really could talk to you all day, but you have people to coach and a, and a Grand Slam tournament uh, to, be, to be a part of and, and many business interests uh, across the world. Thank you so much. Really good that to see you. That was a tonight. real pleasure for me. Thank you. Thank you. Hi everyone, I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.